enemies. Anyway, we began this series of uh, looking at Christmas, looking at the prophets who announced his coming and the people in the events surrounding the Lord's birth and what that meant to them and what it means to us. Uh, and Paul started this last week looking at Zechariah. And I want to try and build on that and weave it in and take us in a slightly uh, different direction. But the prophet spoke of the one who would come and they were telling us by the Holy Spirit about his person, about his work. And, and they gave us an outline uh, of what he would be like and what he would do. And Peter says in his epistle, first epistle, chapter one, that they, they searched intently by the Spirit uh, as to what the Holy Spirit was revealing to them. And uh, so the prophets announced his birth. The, the angels, if you like, declared his coming and faithful men and women were waiting for him. I just want you to think how significant that is because there hadn't been a recognized prophet in Israel for 400 years. And yet there were people waiting for him to come. Simeon, it was shown to him that he wasn't gonna die until he'd seen the Lord's Christ. And Anna, a, a, a widow, a prophetess was waiting. She was in the temple day and night. And, and when he came for his dedication, she told everybody about him. So there was an expectancy amongst some of the people. Uh, they were looking for the kingdom of God to come. Even after that long period of time, 400 years. That would take us back to James I, Shakespeare that kind of time gap. And I think one of the challenges for me when I think of that is, is how much am I looking for the kingdom of God to come? How much am I kind of expecting it and waiting for it and seeing it? How fresh am I looking for, if you like, the second coming of the Lord? But there were people in Israel looking for his coming. They were waiting for him. And, and when Jesus came and... Um, John the Baptist announced his coming and pointed to him as the Lamb of God. And Philip, as you remember, spent some time with Jesus. And he went and found Nathaniel in John chapter 1 and verse 45. And he said to Nathaniel, we've found the one. So they were looking for him. We've found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. People knew that Moses wrote about him that the prophet spoke about him. And this kind of prepared a stage for him to come in, a context, if you like, a background where he was recognizable and gave clarity of meaning to, to what he did. And his coming is the continuity of the story of God and salvation. He didn't sort of come out of the blue. He came into the story of God's salvation work. It involved real people in real situations, just like you and me. And God was acting and speaking out in generations past through the prophets about the one who was to come. And that wasn't just so that people recognized him when he came. It was also to understand what he came to do, which is what I want to talk about tonight in the context of Advent. That day came. And that day when he comes again will come as well. So as is well known, I'm sure that the covenant with Abraham, where 
the Messiah was to be the seed of Abraham and through that seed, God would bless the nations of the world. The promise to Abraham was to bless the nations. It was not confined to Israel. It was a global promise of blessing. And uh, so the descendant, the seed of Abraham was really important, as was the fact that he was going to be a descendant of David, that he was going to rule on David's throne. And the, the Gospel of Matthew begins that way, doesn't it? It says, Matthew 1, 1, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So these two king things were really key as to identifying who the Messiah is. But I want to talk about another key that is less well spoken of, but is really powerful when you see it. So as I said, the gospel is this, whilst being a new thing, is a continuity of the salvation plan and story of God's dealings with man. And I want to consider the continuing of the story of the covenant of promise and how we fit in the story. Now, when Mary went to Elizabeth's house and, and then she sang that beautiful song, the Magnificat, she said these words, putting this event into context. She said that God has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, as he said to our fathers. So there's the continuity. God is remembering his covenant as he spoke to our fathers. And Zechariah's song said these words, he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through the prophet. All who hate us to show mercy the oath he swore to our father Abraham so what was it all about it was salvation it was deliverance from our enemies and God remembering the promise he made to Abraham so the Jews had this hope didn't they that the, there would be a messiah a coming one and of course, the Messiah, Christos in Greek, is the anointed one. And of course, prophets, priests and kings were anointed. But it seems they were particularly looking for the king, uh, the descendant of David, to come to bring freedom, to bring deliverance from their enemies. They had this anticipation of a Messiah. It was like it was like hot in the air. It, it's almost the talk of Messiah, even after this 400 years, was was prevalent uh, amongst them in the hope because of their, if you like, bondage to a Roman domination in their lives. So when John appeared, whose father we talked about last week, baptizing, many people uh, wondered who John was. And the leaders in Jerusalem sent a delegation to John to find out who he was. And I'm reading from John 1, uh, 19 uh, to 24. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confess freely. I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? 
And John replied in the words of Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? So there was this anticipation that there would be an appearance of one who would come as a Messiah. But they also had the sense that there were others that, that would come. Uh, the Messiah, Elijah, or the prophet. Now, Messiah, we know, was, was David's son, the king who would rule and defeat the enemies. Elijah was one who hadn't died but got caught up into heaven and was announced by Malachi, the prophet, that uh, he would return and restore all things before that great and terrible day of the Lord and the prophet. Now, please don't shout out if you know, and you probably can't if you're on mute. But who was the prophet? And where is he mentioned in the Bible? Where else did the Jews mention the prophet? Uh, you, might, you might remember that after Jesus fed 5,000 men, and many had this seen this amazing sign. John 6, 14 says this, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who was to come into the world. Who was this prophet? Is there a clue in that story? Feeding a great multitude of people with bread? Surely this is the prophet. Then again in John 7, verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles, commemorating Israel living in tents in the wilderness, Jesus, on the last and greatest day of the feast, he stands up with a loud voice and he says, anyone that's thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely... This man is the prophet. Why did they say that? Well, there's a clue in the story. Who gave Israel water to drink in the desert when they were thirsty? And please don't shout out if you think you know the answer. Well, I hope you're thinking right now, I think I know he's referring to. But how does that fit into the Advent story? And how's it relevant to me? Well, it gives amazing clarity to the Advent story if we figure this one out. Jesus said that the scriptures testify of me. Yet he said, you refuse to come to me. That's in John 5, 39 and 40. He then said, if you believed Moses, you would believe me for he wrote of me. So Jesus stands directly in the line of the story written by and about Moses. A story of God hearing the cry of his people and remembering his covenant with Abraham and sending a deliverer, a savior. So they were no longer slaves. It's a story about God freeing his people from slavery by the blood of the Passover lamb. It's a story about God cleansing his people 
by the blood of the atonement sacrifice. It's a story of God coming to dwell amongst his people, being their God and giving them his name. It's a story of God giving them a wonderful law that kept them free, revealing his purpose to them. This is the context of the story of salvation that finds its home in Jesus. As Zacharias said about his son, who would announce his coming salvation, deliverance, freedom from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us, no longer slaves. So much is the story of Jesus and Israel interwoven and the story of Jesus and in particular Moses interwoven that Moses says in a key passage in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, he says these words, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, you must listen to him. And then it goes on to say, the Lord said to me what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account every, anyone who does not listen to my words through the prophet that the prophet speaks in my name. Jesus was and is a prophet like Moses setting his people free bringing them out of slavery into freedom, giving them the word of God. Jesus is that prophet that was to come that they were looking for, a prophet like me, not a descendant of David, not a seed of Abraham, because prophets are raised up by God. And Moses said, God will raise up a prophet like me. Peter quoted this in Acts chapter three. He says, God has raised up Jesus to be a prophet like Moses and quotes the verses in uh, Deuteronomy 18. And Stephen, with his great address to the Jewish leaders, says the same thing, that God raises up Jesus, a prophet like Moses. A prophet like me, there are many ways that Jesus is like Moses. Their stories coincide. The story of salvation is that, is that story. We are part of that story now. That the Savior, the Deliverer, has come in to the bondage, the slavery in which we were in, and brought us out to be his people. Deliverance from our enemies. I just want to just share some of the ways that Jesus and Moses are like. And they are truly significant if you haven't thought about it before. So I'm going to start with the bigger picture and then I'm going to go to some of the other remarkable similarities that really come back to the Advent as well. Time might permit me to go into the detail of this, but a man called Chuck Cohen, who actually stayed with us years ago, is a friend of Muriel's, written a book called Homecoming on the Hebrew roots of our faith. And chapter eight is very helpful on this. 
So I want you to consider the bigger picture first about Jesus and Moses. They were both sent as apostles by God, as his servant to set his people free. They were both sent by God as God remember his covenant promise to Abraham. And both came to fulfill that covenant. They were both faithful in all God's house. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Therefore, holy brothers, who share in the holy calling, heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. It goes on to say Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant, but Jesus was faithful as a son that Jesus has greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of the house is greater than the house. So Jesus was like Moses, but a greater than Moses was here. But the faithfulness that they both had to the work of God is the real hallmark of their ministry, which is why the book of Hebrews says he was faithful in all his house like Moses was. But here are some other similarities very briefly. Both spoke the word of God with power. Both did unparalleled signs and wonders. Both did significant miracles with food. Both fed multitudes. Both did miraculous signs with water. Both did miraculous signs with the sea. Both established covenants with blood. Both were called shepherds. Both were intercessors. Both were mediators. Both came to set people free from the house of slavery, which is what Advent is all about. Both saw the face of God. Both had supernatural experiences of their faces shining. Both God spoke to God openly. Both heard the audible voice of God. Both were the humblest men on the face of the earth. Both were initially rejected by Israel. Both were challenged by their family. And I want just to read a passage that God said when Aaron and Miriam challenged Moses. It's very revealing. So Aaron and Miriam basically went to Moses and said, you're not the only one God speaks to. You're not the only one God speaks through. And God wasn't happy about that. So he spoke to Aaron and Moses. I'm going to read to you from Numbers chapter 12, verses 2 to 8. So has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. But once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud he stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. And when the two stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. When there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face clearly and not in riddles he sees the form of the lord 
Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So Moses was faithful as a servant. Jesus was the perfect servant of the Lord. And by God's grace, I, next week, I want just to share about how in the book of Isaiah, the prophets reveal Jesus as the perfect servant of God. And you'll see this connection even more clearly then. Jesus is the perfect servant of the Lord. So why is this relevant? This story of which we're part of, it's bigger than us. It's the story of God saving his people and taking them to be his very own. And Jesus is faithful in all of God's house over it. And we are part of that house. So he's faithful over our lives. And that's why we should hold on to our hope and hold on to our courage because we have this one that's faithful over the house of God. So what's this got to do with Advent? I hear you thinking maybe. I just want you to think about this, other similarities. When Moses was born, his parents perceived that he was no ordinary child. The authorized says that he was a beautiful child. That didn't mean that he had a natural beauty, but they sensed this wasn't, this was something, this child had God's call and signature upon his life. And when Mary heard all the things about Jesus, she treasured these things up in her heart. Mary and Joseph knew <laughs> this was no ordinary child. Both their mothers were from a kingly line. Mary was, um, Mary was of course um, from the seed of David, but Pharaoh's daughter who brought up Moses was of course from a kingly line. Both of them in their infancy was placed in unusual beds. Jesus was placed in a manger. Moses was placed in uh, this basket that was this watertight basket that was prepared to put on the Nile. Both were born under foreign kings who threatened the life of all the boys of their generation. So King Herod sought to kill all the male children in Bethlehem under three years old. And Pharaoh had decreed that all the male children in Egypt of the Hebrews should be killed. Similarities are more than passing, aren't they? Both were raised by fathers that weren't truly their own. Both fled the land of their birth because the king threatened to kill them. Later in life, Jesus walked the same path as Moses. Both had 40-day fasts. Both went up mountains to meet with God. Both had 70 helpers at some point. Both sent 12 men on a special mission. Both were faithful over God's house. So much was Moses' actions, the forerunner of Jesus, that Paul describes the people of Israel as described, as, as baptized in, in the cloud into Moses, in the cloud and the sea. Because when you think about it, you're in slavery in Egypt. The only way out of Egypt with Pharaoh's army chasing you 
is through the leadership of Moses, protected by the cloud, walking through the sea. The only way out of the slavery of bondage to sin is through the leadership of Jesus being baptized into his death and resurrection. And that's why Paul says they were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea, because he could see the analogy. He could see the picture so clearly. So I'm coming into land now. Moses was, of course, human, where Jesus was, of course, both fully God and fully man. And therefore, Moses couldn't be the perfect pattern of Jesus, the perfect forerunner. And he broke faith with God at Meribah Kadesh and didn't treat God as holy. When the people were crying out for water and wanted God to give them drink in the desert, God told Moses to smite the rock. And Moses did so and water came out of the rock to feed them. It's such a picture of Christ crucified being smitten and the water of the Holy Spirit coming from that perfect sacrifice and giving life to God's people. But the second time God said to Moses, speak to the rock. Don't smite the rock, speak to the rock when they were thirsty. And the people had aggravated Moses so much, he called them rebels and he, with his rod, he struck the rock twice. And he, he disfigured the perfect picture. And in his actions, he in effect crucified again the Son of God. He should have just spoken to the rock because the work had been done and the Holy Spirit would have come. And for that, God said to Moses, you didn't treat me as holy. You broke the perfect picture. You shan't enter the promised land. And of course, Joshua went instead. Joshua, of course, being the Hebrew, Yeshua, the Savior. So in closing, Jesus was a prophet like Moses. The purpose of his coming was to remember his covenant with Abraham. And the purpose was, as Zechariah said, to set people free, to deliver us from our enemies, no longer slaves, bring them out of slavery into freedom, leading them to come truly the people of God. And his coming was acting on the promise to Abraham. He was born in Bethlehem, laid in a manger, no ordinary child. He was raised up like Moses to set free all those who trust in him as God had promised to Abraham that all the nations, which is why we're here on a Sunday night, will be blessed through him, through his advent. Let me just pray. I, I felt such an anointing preparing and, and, and giving this little talk. And, and I just want us to see that in all the mixture that is Christmas, all the mixing up of a pagan winter festival with the advent of the coming of the Son of Man, that we will have our hearts warmed 
by this story of salvation, this story of God remembering his covenant, that God always watches over his word and he watches over each one of us the same way. He is faithful to his covenant. He is faithful to all God's house. And the coming of Jesus was God remembering and being faithful to his promise to bless us. That's powerful. A promise he gave to Abraham that he's never let drop and he's never going to let us drop as the children and seed of that promise. So let me pray. Father God, I thank you for the wonder that is the advent, the coming of the Son of God, that all that amazing deliverance that you did through Moses in Egypt was a picture it was reality, but it was a picture of the amazing salvation that you would bring to bear through the coming of your child, your servant, Jesus. Salvation from our enemies, deliverance, coming out of the kingdom of darkness and being brought into the kingdom of the son that you love. Lord, help us to have a real heart and value and appreciation of our salvation that you should send your son who is faithful in all your house to be our deliverer, that you would come to your people, Israel, and through them you would bless each and every one of us with this message of hope and salvation. Lord, may it capture us that we're part of the salvation story that you are today still taking out and delivering people. We thank you, Father, for this amazing good news. In Jesus' name. Amen.